Pastors Michael and Brenda Brunzo welcome you and thank you for listening to the following message. This message was recorded during a regular service at Faith Fellowship Church. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we believe this message will encourage and strengthen you in your daily walk of faith. God bless you as you listen. chapter 3, verse 14. I'm going to be reading in the King James Version. This is a prayer that the Apostle Paul prayed over the Ephesian church and the church in Louisville. He said, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, the length and depth and height of Christ's love and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God Hallelujah. That's a wonderful prayer to be prayed. Amen. I prayed that prayer. Pastor Ed and I have prayed that prayer over you guys. You can pray it over your family. You can pray it over yourselves. Amen. I mean, wouldn't you like to be strengthened with might by his spirit in your inner man? Yes. Hallelujah. Amen. That you would dwell, uh, that the love of God would dwell in your hearts, being deeply rooted and grounded, and that you'd be able to understand what is the breadth, length, depth, and height of his love, and to know the love of Christ which passeth all knowledge, all understanding. His love is so great we can't even understand it. We can't even fathom the love of God. Paul's main emphasis here is that God wants us to be rooted and grounded in love. And being rooted and grounded represents an immovable strength. Big oak trees are rooted and grounded, and they're hard to uproot and almost impossible to uproot. And that's how God wants us to be when it comes to his love. He wants us rooted and grounded in his love. Not a human fickle love, but his love, unconditional love. And when it comes to our love walk, God wants us strong and immovable as that oak tree. And, you know, it's no coincidence that Paul is talking about roots and ground here either because he's teaching the seed time and harvest concept that he was taught. And since our becoming more aware of this, the law of seed time and harvest uh, through the teaching that we've been doing, you'll probably notice this concept more and more as you read the, read the word. As you're going through the Bible, you're going to see that the Bible has a lot to say about planting and harvesting and sowing and reaping and giving and receiving because the kingdom of God is based on the law of seed time and harvest. That's, that's how important it is that we understand this. Yes. I've always had a, a small understanding of this concept, but not like I have here lately. And I'm telling you, it's become such a blessing to me. I, I see over the years that sometimes I even sowed seed unconsciously and it prospered and it grew and I got a harvest from it. 
And I see now that I'm reaping harvests of seed that I planted years ago. And I'm never going to stop planting. Amen. I think I've got enough seed in the ground to keep me uh, blessed until Jesus comes. But I'm still not going to stop planting. Amen. Amen. And, you know, when Jesus taught the parable of the sower, which we, that was the first message we preached this year. He was teaching the law of seed time and harvest. And he would say things like, so is the kingdom of God. As if a man should cast seed in the ground. So he's telling us this is what the kingdom of God is like. It's like sowing seed. And then he say in other places, whereunto shall we liken the kingdom of God? What can we compare it to? Or with, or with what comparison should we compare it? And then he says, as if a man should cast seed into the ground. He's comparing the kingdom of God to the concept of seed time and harvest, of sowing and reaping. And in Mark 4, 11, Jesus said to his disciples, he said, unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables. And then he explained the parable of the sower to his disciples and whoever else followed him to that location where he explained it. And I know we looked at this, but it wouldn't hurt to repeat a little bit of it. The kingdom of God and the way it would operate up to this point was a mystery. They didn't understand the kingdom of God. They didn't know the concept of the kingdom of God until Jesus started preaching it. All they had a, a knowledge of was earthly kingdoms, like under King David and Solomon and all the other kings uh, that reigned over Israel. They knew what a kingdom was. And, you know, the word kingdom means the king's domain or what he has domain, dominion over. It, it means what he reigns over. So they understood the kingdom concept but not the way Jesus was preaching it. It was a mystery to them. And so Jesus explains the parable of the sower, and we now know exactly how the kingdom of God operates. It's no longer a mystery to us. Jesus revealed it, and he revealed it through the law of seed time and harvest, which was given in the, in the eighth chapter of Deuteronomy. So seed time and harvest was nothing new to the disciples either but they didn't know it was going to be the way that God operates the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven on the earth. And then he said another parable that he told was a parable of the wheat, the wheat and the tares. And he said the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. And then another parable he told was a parable of the mustard seed. And he said, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and sowed in his field. And we know that the mustard seed is one of the tiniest seeds in the world, and yet it grows into this big herb tree, big enough for the birds of the air to come and roost in it. And then sometimes you'll hear Jesus refer to the kingdom of heaven, and then sometimes you'll hear him refer to the kingdom of God. And there is a difference. In Matthew 4, 17, the kingdom of heaven in the original text actually reads the kingdom from the heavens. It's not talking about the kingdom of heaven. It's talking about the kingdoms from the heavens. So this kingdom originated in the heavens, but it was being established here on the earth. And it's headed by Jesus Christ 
And it's an earthly kingdom that will be established here on the earth, a physical kingdom during the millennial reign. And after that, forever. The kingdom of God represents all of God's creation. Because that's the king's domain. That's God's domain. The earth and the kingdom upon the earth is just a part of his kingdom. It's the kingdom that came from the heavens and is established here on the earth. But Jesus is preaching a spiritual kingdom. And the disciples thought he was preaching about a, an earthy kingdom that was going to be established while he was there with them. They didn't understand everything yet. But Jesus was talking about an earthly kingdom, but it would come after the church age. So there's going to be two kingdoms. The kingdom from heaven, which will be the one on earth, and then the kingdom of God, which encompasses everything and includes the kingdom on earth. See, the sowing and reaping, the law of sowing and reaping, the law of seed time and harvest is for the earth. Because we don't sow and, and reap harvest in heaven. We're not going to be sowing any heavenly farms. All the sowing and reaping is going to be down here on the earth. But it's not to say we don't have a heavenly account because some of the things that we're sowing on the earth, we're storing in heaven. When you sow into the kingdom of God, you're laying up treasure in heaven. You're laying up harvest in heaven for you to reap later when you need them. You know, he said, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. Well, you've got to have not just his riches, but you've got to have some of your riches and glory to draw from. you got a heavenly bank account, and you need to have something in it. Amen. Try to draw something out of Chase Bank if you don't have any money in there and see what happens. But we think God is Santa Claus, and no matter how much we need or how much we ask for, he just comes down the chimney and gives it to us. No, that's not the concept of the kingdom of God. So Jesus told parables like this in the Gospels of Mark, uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, which are called the Synoptic Gospels. John's Gospel kind of stands alone. He didn't write all of the same things that the other disciples wrote or the other writers of the Gospels wrote. His Gospel was different. But all three of these Gospel writers uh, show us the kingdom of God uh, and how it would be established in the earth and how believers would prosper, prosper and grow in this kingdom. See, the kingdom of, of heaven or the kingdom, from, the kingdom from the heavens is a professed kingdom. You enter this kingdom spiritually by professing or confessing Jesus as Lord. But we're not, we're not in a earthly, physical, natural kingdom yet. That's yet to come. So he used the example of seed time and harvest, which means it will start small and grow big. That's what seeds do. And I feel like we covered the parable of the sower pretty well, so I don't want to get into too much of that again, but I feel it necessary to reiterate just a couple things. And a parable is like a riddle. And in order to learn the meaning of it, you have to search for the answer. You know, if somebody gives you a riddle, they don't give you the answer. You might get clues or something, but you have to search and dig for the answer yourself. And that's what a parable is like. And what I like about the parable of the sower is that 
it's one of the few parables that Jesus actually explains to us. So there's no uh, error in interpreting because he tells us plainly what it means. And if you recall, Jesus said in Mark 11 or 4, 11 and 12, he said unto you, he's talking to the disciples, his followers, it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But unto them that are without, those who don't profess the kingdom, all these things are done in parables or riddles. And unless they put forth the effort to figure it out by the clues that the parable gives, they'll never come to an understanding. And then in verse 12, it said that seeing they may see and not perceive. They see the riddle, but they don't understand it. And hearing they may hear and not understand. Lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven them. In other words, they have the opportunity to be converted and become a profession or professor or confessor of the kingdom. And then it will be, they will get the understanding of it. So it's not to those that are without until they become those that are within by confessing it. So the meaning of the parables are only revealed to the ones that are really interested and show a hunger for what the Lord has to say. And that was God's way of weeding out all of those who were only following him for the miracles and the blessings and the fish and the loaves. Because when they didn't see any lunch breaking out or any miracles, they faded away. But those who really wanted to hear what Jesus had to say, they stuck with him. And he says, unto you, it is given to understand the mystery. And so uh, it would be revealed to them. In other words, if you're really interested in what Jesus has to say, if you're really hungry for the word of God and you dig, then you'll be filled. He said, those who hunger and thirst after righteousness or the right way of doing things shall be filled. What if you don't hunger and thirst for it? You won't be filled. And so uh, you would press in. And by doing that, the mystery would be revealed to you. And it's like that with all the word of God. If you press in and you dig, you'll get the revelation of what he's saying. The mystery, what was a mystery to you will be revealed. And so the disciples showed that hunger because they pressed him for the explanation. But it wasn't just the disciples. There were other followers that were pressing in and were really interested in the word of God and what Jesus had to say. And this is where the Lord brings forth the spiritual truth that the parable represents. In other words, it was all natural to them until he began to reveal the mystery to those who were hungry. And now he goes from the natural to the supernatural or he goes from the physical to the spiritual. And so then he revealed the true meaning. He said, the word is the seed. The different soils represented a person's heart. Now we're spiritual. He was talking about natural things, but this is where he transitioned from the natural seed and soil to the spiritual seed and soil, which is the word of God and the heart of man. And he used natural things that people could relate to like farming and seed and soil or, 
for fishing and nets and boats and things like that. People could understand them. So he would start with something natural that they could understand and then he would transition and show them what it meant in the spiritual so they would have a better understanding of it. Uh, he doesn't want the word of God to be a mystery, not to the ones that are hungry and press in and seek the explanation. So we learned that the seed was being sown uh, uh, is the word of God and the first sower was Jesus and then after that anyone who would preach or share the word they become a sower of the word so the word is another thing that we must be rooted and grounded in we have to allow the word to take root and be established in our hearts before it begins to produce so we learn from Jesus explanation that there were four types of soils that represented four different heart conditions that the word was sown into. And we're not gonna get into that again, uh, but you know the, the four different soils that the word was sown into produced differently in each believer. And it was only the good soil that produced anything at all and it produced 30, 60, or 100 fold. But the other three didn't produce any harvest. But James, he says to receive with meekness, receive with humility, be humble when you hear the word of God, receive with meekness, with humility, and then he called it the engrafted or planted word, which is able to save your souls. Amen. Receive with meekness the engrafted or planted word, which is able to save your souls. Well, where do we receive the word? In our hearts. The seed goes into the good soil of our hearts. And what kind of seed is James talking about? He's talking about a seed of salvation. Receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. So he's talking about a seed of salvation. He wants us to receive this seed of salvation and so we receive it first by hearing it then by believing it and we have to hear it first because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word so we need faith first before we can receive the seed that's going to produce salvation Romans 10 8 through 10 very familiar scripture. Uh, I'm going to read it in the easy reader version. Paul said, this is what the scripture says. Now, if you're really interested in what God has to say, and you want the explanation and the understanding of it, here's where we lean in. And if it's like, ah, I heard that before, you're not going to get the mystery revealed to you. This is what the scripture says. Go ahead, Paul, I'm listening. God's teaching is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. It is the teaching of faith that we tell people. First, the seed of faith is planted when we hear the gospel, because like I said, faith comes by hearing, and then comes the seed of salvation. And then he said in verse 9, if you openly say Jesus is Lord, because the word is near you, even in your mouth, 
but you got to speak it. It's in your mouth, but you got to speak it. If you openly say Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from death, you will be saved. So there's the seed of salvation, and there's the harvest of it or the fruit of it. But what do you have to do to receive it? Just believe what you heard. When you believe what you heard, you receive it. If you don't believe it, you're just going to reject it. And then he says in verse 10, yes, we believe in Jesus deep in our hearts. And so we are made right with God. And we openly say that we believe in him. And so we are saved. There's the sowing of the seed of salvation and the harvest of it right there. But notice he said that the faith has to come first. He said, what's the scripture say? God's teaching is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. It is the teaching of faith. So the seed of faith comes first. And that's what gives you the ability to not only receive the, the, the seed of salvation, but to believe in it. And that's what gets it rooted and grounded in your heart. It's simple. It's a simple concept. It's not hard to believe. You believe in something every day. You came in and sat in that chair believing that it would hold you up and never even gave it a second thought. Right. You're going to leave church today and you're going to go out there and turn the key in your car and you're going to believe that it will start for you. That's faith. That's believing something. So it's not hard to do that. And, and the faith that it takes to believe it, he gave it to us first. Every time you hear the word, faith comes because he wants you to receive the word and receive the seed. Remember Mary when she conceived Jesus? She said, according to thy word, so be it unto me. And she didn't understand how it worked, but she believed God's word. And when she did, she received it. She heard it. Even though it came from the angel Gabriel, the messenger angel, it was a word from God. It was the word of God. She heard it. Faith came. And she said, I don't understand it, but I believe it. And at that moment, the seed was conceived. And the point I want to make from this is that your heart is fertile soil. And the main way you plant seed in your heart is by hearing the word first and then believing what you heard. But here's the thing. It doesn't go directly into your heart. It has to be filtered or processed through your mind first. And if your mind is messed up, you're going to be processing and receiving a bunch of seed that you don't have any business receiving. That's why Paul said to renew your minds on the word of God. Why? So when the, when things come into your mind, you can process it and uh, properly cast this out and let this go into your heart to be fertile, uh, uh, planted. So when you first hear something, it enters your mind in the form of a thought. And the thoughts can become seeds. Some are good and some are bad. But it's entirely up to you which thoughts you turn into seed and plant in your heart. That's up to you. I, you know, I've said this a, a hundred times at least, but Brother Hagen told us you can't stop a bird from flying over your head, but you can stop them from making a nest in your hair. In other words, you can't stop the thoughts from coming in, but you can keep them from staying there. 
See, the way, this, the way the thought becomes a seed is by you entertaining it, and then you turn it into a seed, and you believe it, and it gets planted in your heart. And, because let's face it, like I said, if you don't believe something, you're, not gonna, you're just going to reject it. You're just going to cast it aside. Ah, that's a bunch of baloney, and you're going to go about your business. But if you believe it, it's going to get planted. So Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, how to deal with the thoughts. He tells us to cast down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Now, where does knowledge go? In the mind. So he's telling us uh, to cast down arguments and every high thought that comes into your head that exalts itself against the, the knowledge of God. And he said, bringing into captivity every thought unto the obedience of Christ. What's that mean? He's saying to hold the thought captive, not let it run wild in your mind. He says, hold it captive and now stand it alongside of the word of God. Compare the two. And if it doesn't stand up to the word of God, cast it out as a vain imagination. Get rid of it right there. Deal with it as a thought. It never becomes a seed. That's why there's certain things about what's going on in the world that I'm adamant against. And I, I'm dogmatic about it because I have the word on it. I've compared it to the word. It doesn't stand up, so I'm not accepting it. It will never become a seed and get planted in my heart. And one of them is gender. There's one man, one woman, period, in the sense. And when you hear all this other stuff comes into your mind, wait a minute. God says one man, one woman, garbage, pass it out. Global warming, we're wearing out the ozone, the earth is going to come to an end. No, God said this earth is going to live forever. Cast it out. And, and you go right on down the line with global warming, all the other issues that we're not dealing with, but the, the, the country is dealing with, the population is dealing with, at least not even a half of it anymore, but a whole bunch on that side is dealing with it. Why? Because they have nothing to compare it with. And boy, I'm telling you, it comes in, they say, yeah, that makes sense to me. Uh-huh, a woman can have a baby. Yeah, I heard it on CNN. Yeah, that, and it gets planted in their heart. Now they believe it. And they'll fight you to the death over it. That's an argument that you shouldn't have. Because you know the truth. Amen? So you have to remember your heart is fertile soil. And it trusts you. Your heart trusts you. If you tell your heart something is true, it will believe it. And it will begin to take root and grow. And eventually it will produce a harvest. Even if it's a bad seed. So your heart is no different than any other fertile soil. Jesus said in another parable that a farmer sowed wheat and the enemy sowed tares. Something that looks like wheat but is poisonous. And it grows right along with the tares. And the disciples said, should we jerk it out? He said, no, let it grow. Because if you jerk it out, it's going to pull out the good wheat with it. Let it grow to the harvest. And then you'll be able to tell the difference because although they both look like wheat, the seed from the tear is black. 
and it's poisonous. Now you can identify it and tear it out. And But the best thing is not to let the seed get planted. But if it is, it can still be dealt with. It's just a little harder. Amen? Amen. So let them grow side by side until the time of the harvest. Then the tares get pulled out and thrown in the furnace. And the wheat gets harvested. So when you intentionally plant something in the natural, it's your desire that it become really rooted and grounded so it will be established and draw from the ground all the nutrients that it needs to grow into a healthy plant or tree or whatever it is you planted. And with that, it will grow bigger and it will grow stronger. Especially if you nourish it with feeding it with things like water and fertilizer. But the opposite is true with bad things like the tares or the weeds. You would never intentionally plant them. The enemy plants them. The enemy plants thoughts in your head too. But that's where you deal with them. Amen? So you never intentionally plant them because they're part of the, cur the curse. And they do fine all by themselves. You know, like Medea says, uh, you know, you don't have to teach certain things, the bad things to certain Thing. I can do bad all by myself. She don't have to be taught bad things. Amen? They come naturally. And what you do with them is you pull them out because they will contaminate and corrupt the good things that you want to grow. So, you know, we hold the garden, we weed the garden, and we watch over it. And, you know, if it's a small weed popping up, you can get it before it gets rooted and grounded. And once you get the whole root, you don't have to worry about it anymore. And it's the same thing with your thoughts in the garden of your heart. When you plant good things in your heart, the enemy is going to try to plant weeds. And you have to continually keep the weeds out. Don't let them become seed because they will hinder the growth of the good things. And a matter of fact, the parable of the sower said it will choke them out. Choke the word out. So Paul said we should be rooted and grounded in the love of God. In other words, God's love should be growing strong in our heart. And in order for that to happen, we have to keep the weeds out. We have to guard our hearts like the psalmist said, with all diligence for out of it, out of your garden, is going to come the harvest of life. And spiritually speaking, evil thoughts or desires always produce weeds. Let me give you an example. Seeds of offense produce weeds. Seeds of jealousy, seeds of envy, seeds of bitterness, anger, hatred, doubt, and unbelief are all seeds that will produce weeds and choke out our faith and our love. And that's dangerous to have you, your faith choked out and your love choked out because faith worketh by love. Got to have them both. And there's many things that we can plant and they all start out as a thought or a small seed, but can grow into something destructive. And these things don't belong in your heart. They will choke out the word of God and cause it to be unfruitful. They will choke out the love of God and cause your faith to be unfruitful. The Bible tells us in Romans 5, 5. Remember I told you as you read your word now, you're going to see, hey, He's talking about a seed. This has got something to do with the harvest. This has got something to do with ground and growing. And you're going to see a lot of that now. And I've seen that in Romans 5.5. 5. It says that 
God planted the seed of love in our hearts. And you say, well, I don't see that in the scriptures. That's uh, a little bit far-fetched, Pastor, but he said the love of God is shed abroad in your hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Well, I got thinking about that, and I looked up the word shed, and it actually means scattered. What do you do with seed? You scatter. So the, the love of God has been scattered abroad in our hearts. And it's in the form of seed because God says it can grow and it can get rooted and grounded. And Paul told us that he wants the word, uh, the uh, love to be rooted and grounded in our hearts. So that means it's, it can grow bigger. And if you get it rooted and grounded, it won't be so easily plucked up the next time somebody crosses you the wrong way. Let me show you why it's important that love has to be deeply rooted and grounded. This was a few years back, and I think I, that this wasn't with these last storms. I think I even shared this with you before, but we're going through the neighborhood, and we see this great big tree, and it's laying on its side. So at first we thought, man, it must have been hit with lightning or something. But then as we got closer, we noticed it wasn't broken at all. And then at the end of it was a big ball of root and dirt. That thing was just pushed over by the high winds because the ground was so saturated and wet and it went down like five or six feet to saturation and because the roots didn't go deep it just pulled the whole ball of roots up and and you know uh if you don't get that thing back in the ground fairly quick it's going to wither and die well what would happen if it was rooted and grounded deep in the soil it wouldn't have been toppled over like that why? Because the roots being deep would have been in some dry, solid ground. And they wouldn't have been able to be pulled up so easily. The tree was definitely rooted, but it wasn't grounded. So you got to be rooted and grounded. And like I said, if the natural tree's roots don't get put back into the ground soon, it'll wither and die. Now here's what's scary. This is also a spiritual principle that's mentioned throughout the Bible. Psalms 1, verses 1 through 3 says, Great blessings belong to those who don't listen to evil advice, who don't live like sinners, and who don't join those who make fun of God. Instead, they love the Lord's teachings and think about them day and night. King James says, meditates on them. Verse 3, so they grow strong. How strong? Like a tree planted by a stream. A tree that produces fruit when it should and has leaves that never fall. Everything they do is successful. That's a tree and it's referring to you and I. That's a tree that's planted by streams of water that is really rooted and grounded deep. It continues to produce and never fails. Psalms 92, 12 through 14 says, The righteous, you and I, shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Is this seed time and harvest? I know it's Old Testament, but it's talking about seed time and harvest. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. Hallelujah. 
That might not mean much to you young folk, but for us older folk, that means a lot. They shall be fat and flourishing, and I am both. <laughs> Jesus said in John 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same bring forth much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. See, we're to draw nourishment from the vine, and when you cut yourself off from the vine, or you're blown away with some weird wind of doctrine, you will wither and die if you don't get reattached to that vine. If you don't get engrafted back into that vine, you will wither and die, you'll be picked up and tossed in the fire. And just like a natural branch that was broken off or pruned off, sometimes branches get pruned off, if that branch is going to do harm to the vine, it's going to get lopped off. And once it's separated from the tree, no ifs, ands, or maybes about it, it will die. And that's why God wants us as believers to be rooted and grounded in certain things. And we're to draw nourishment from these things. You know, he doesn't want us easily pushed over or plucked up when a storm hits. Grounded in salvation, grounded in love, grounded in healing, grounded in victory, grounded in health and wealth and increase. Hallelujah. We need to be grounded in this because you will be challenged. The storms will come, the winds will come, the rains will come. And if you're not rooted and grounded deep, you'll be toppled over or blown away or broken. Either way, you're going to wither and die. That's why it's so important we stay in church. And we come to church every opportunity we have so that we can get more seed, more word. You're, you're in church to draw nourishment from the vine. I'm not the vine. And yes, you can read the word at home, but like I said, God designed this system so that you have a five-fold ministry, one of which is the pastor to sit under. Because God is going. God had five pastors in Revelation, and He gave a word to every one of those pastors to preach to their congregation. And every word was different. Every pastor was different. And if you're not in the church, God has called you to. But you're in church. Praise the Lord! I'm in church. I, you know, I don't go to the one that God called me to because it's too far away. I go to this one because it's close. You're not getting the word that God wanted for you. Because God gave that word to your pastor. Not the one you're sitting under. Amen? And these are words that you're not going to get at home. You're not going to hear this message by reading your Bible. You're not going to hear this message by hearing it from somebody else. Because they're preaching a message that God gave them for their congregation. So you got to be in the place God has put you. Amen? Amen. And I don't want it to sound like I'm lifting myself up. I'm just a vessel that he's using. But I'm the vessel that he picked for you. Amen? Amen. And you're the sheep that he placed here for me to feed. So as I'm attached to the vine and I'm feeding from the vine and getting the nourishment and that, you're attached to the vine and I'm sending it down to you. But it's coming from the vine. Amen? Amen. Lord. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
But the most important thing is that we be rooted and grounded in love, like Paul said in the, to the Ephesians. He prayed that for us. So it must be important because the Apostle John said, he that loves not knows not God. If you ain't rooted and grounded in love, you can't know God. Amen? And John said, and he that loves not knows not God, for God is love. He didn't say God loves or God has love. He said God is love. God is the source of all love, real love. I'm not talking about fickle love where, you know, you, you're up one day, down the next, and, you know, as long as they make me feel warm and fuzzy, I love them. But as soon as they don't make me feel warm and fuzzy anymore, I don't love them. That's fickle love. That don't come from God. That comes from the devil who sows tares. The love of God is undeserved and it's unconditional. I love you when you're good and I love you when you're bad. Amen? So God is love. And if we're rooted and grounded in love, then we're rooted and grounded in God. And if we're rooted and grounded in God, we're rooted and grounded in love. You can't separate the two. And we only have one commandment in the New Testament. Actually, it's two, but it means the same thing. Love the Lord your God with all that soul, with all that heart, with all that soul, with all that mind. And love your neighbor as, your, as you love yourself. So it's the same commandment. We're to love everybody, but starting with God. And so that's our commandment. Jesus said, a new commandment I give you that you love one another as I have loved you that you love one another. In other words, we're to love one another exactly like God loved us. How did he love us? Unconditionally. He loved us when we were bad. He loved us when we were mean. He loves you when you're mean now. That's how you're supposed to love your neighbor. Yeah, but you don't know what they said. I don't care what they said. Thank God that he doesn't say that about you. Right. But you don't know what they did. Thank God God didn't say that about you. We're not just to love one another, but we're to be rooted and grounded in it. I mean, if you want to grow strong like a tree by a stream, and that stream is the flow of the Holy Ghost. He's referred to as a river, as water, as rain, and all these different things that have to do with water. That stream that those trees were planted alongside of, uh, where they were flourishing and producing fruit in their season and their leaves never fell off. That stream was a stream of the flow of God's spirit. And so we have to be in that stream in order to get what we need from God. Amen? Amen. So if you want to be successful in everything you do, if you want to flourish like a palm tree in the courts of our God and bring forth fruit even in your old age like I am, then you're going to have to be rooted and grounded in love and demonstrate it towards everyone. Amen. I don't always feel like loving everybody. And I'll try to stay away when I feel like that. But if I can't stay away, I'll at least demonstrate love, even though I don't feel it at the time. Because that's how real love from God is. That's the love that God shed abroad or scattered in my heart. And one thing about a seed is it will grow big. But here's what's wonderful about it. It doesn't happen overnight. Why do you say that's wonderful? I want my harvest now. All harvest? See, trees don't happen overnight. Divorce doesn't happen overnight. Adultery doesn't happen overnight. 
People don't become alcoholics overnight, drug addicts overnight. See, a small seed has to be planted and then it has to be allowed to grow by you. Because you could have dealt with it as a thought. I think I'm going to try. In other words, no, I ain't going to try. I compared it, it don't line up with God. I ain't going to try that. And it has to do with everything that we're dealing with in this society. Everything. You know, I think I'll be a female today and going to the, the women's bathroom. You know, I, no, I won't. See, but to the unregenerate mind, the mind without a conscience, it don't have that comparison, so it does whatever it feels like. So the, the seed comes from a thought that you fail to deal with. I mean, let's face it. You allowed it to take root in your heart by entertaining it. It started out as a thought, then it became an imagination. Now you started imagining these things. And then it becomes a stronghold. And once it becomes a stronghold, that's all you can think about. And then you'll find yourself doing that thing that you entertain and imagine and has become a stronghold. You'll find, you'll find yourself doing it sooner or later. But even after it takes root, you can still deal with it, but it's a lot harder. I told a story about the acorn and the oak tree, right? You know, if you don't want an oak tree in your yard and you see an acorn laying on the ground, deal with the acorn. If you don't, it will become an oak tree and it will be harder to deal with then. You can still deal with it, but it'll be a lot harder. That's the way thoughts are. So what do we do with it now that it's become a rooted and grounded and starting to produce? Let me tell you a story as I begin to close. And I've told this before, but it bears repeating. And I'm sure somebody hasn't heard it. But there was an old Cherokee, and he's teaching his grandson about life. And he says, a fight is going on in the inside of me, grandson. And he said, it's a terrible fight, and it's between two wolves. One is evil, and he's filled with anger and envy and sorrow and regret and greed and arrogance and self-pity and guilt and resentment and inferiority and lies and false pride and superiority and ego. And then he continued, the other is a good wolf. He's filled, filled with joy and peace and love and hope and serenity and humility and kindness and benevolence and empathy and generosity and truth and compassion. And then he said to his grandson, he said, the same fight is going on on the inside of you. And the same fight is going on on the inside of every other person in the world. So the grandson thought about it for a minute and then he asked his grandfather, he said, which wolf will win? And the old Cherokee looked at him and simply replied, the one you feed. So this is how you defeat something on the inside of you that's already there growing. And you don't want it to grow. You stop feeding it. 
you became an alcoholic by feeding yourself on alcohol. You stopped becoming an alcoholic with a whole lot of prayer, some therapy, and stopped feeding yourself. Same thing with drugs. And I know there's different stages where, hey, you know, I just can't. Yes, you can. And, you know, you may need physical help. You may need psychological help, but spiritually speaking, bottom line is you stop doing what you did to start it. And eventually you'll starve it to death. Yes. But then you have to remember never to feed it again. Because when you feed it again, it's going to come back with a more ferocious appetite. And usually the second and third time, you can't quench that appetite. And remember this, what you feed grows, what you starve dies. Just remember that. If I feed it, it's going to grow. If I starve it, it's going to die. And that's the same with the good things in your life. You have to feed love. You have to feed all the good things that you got growing and going on in your life. If you starve them, they will die too. And then starve the things that you know you shouldn't be feeding on. Amen? See, we're responsible for our own garden. This is your heart. God renewed it at the new birth. He gave you a new spirit. And heart and spirit are interchanged. He gave you a new spirit. He didn't refurbish the one you had. He didn't renew it. He didn't rebuild it. He removed it like a rock and replaced it with a new spirit. He said, Behold, all things old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Not rebuilt, not refurbished. Brand new. And so you have to maintain the spirit. You have to maintain your heart. And seeds, good or bad, can be have to be planted and then nurtured and, and washed over it before they'll grow. So if you nurture and watch over the good seed, like the seed uh, of, of love that you want rather than grounded, it will grow and it will become stronger. And if you starve the seeds you don't want, they will wither and die eventually. And again, it's not easy. You know, we, I, I fed habits for a long time. And then when I realized, after I learned the word of God, I realized, hey, it don't measure up. God don't want me to be an alcoholic. God don't want me doing this. God don't want me doing that. God don't want me smoking. And, and so I knew it was wrong and I decided to quit doing those things. Man, you talk about a battle. I had a battle, but I stuck with it. And guess who won? The one, I, the one I fed, and guess who lost? The one I starved. Amen? It works. There's no doubt about it. And it's our job to keep the garden tilled, fertilized, and watched over and watered. Proverbs 24, 30. I'm close again. It's about a lazy man that didn't take care of his garden. I'll let you spiritualize it yourself. It said, I passed by the field of the slugger or the lazy person, and by the vineyard of the man lacking sense. And behold, it was completely overgrown with thistles or weeds. Its surface was covered with nettles, and its stone wall was broken down. And unfortunately, this is how a lot of Christians' hearts are, a lot of Christians' uh, gardens look. 
When I saw, I reflected upon it, I looked and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Then your poverty will come as a robber and your want like an armed man. In other words, you'll, be, you'll find yourself in a place where, where uh, you're impoverished, you're lacking everything, and, and it will be as though it was taken away by an armed man that fast. Just a little laziness, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands, and it will come upon you that fast. Good things take effort. Water the seed of God's word with faith, fertilize it with prayer, and I promise you it will grow and it will produce a harvest and it will bring forth increase. Remember, we learned that it's God's job to bring the increase. It's your job to plant or sow, and it's your job to water, it's your job to nourish it, it's your job to pray over it and watch over it, but God is the one who brings the increase. And if you'll do your part, I promise you, God will bring the increase. Amen? I don't care what the seed is that you planted, he will bring the increase. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you. God, in your infinite wisdom, you designed a kingdom that operates on the law of seed time and harvest. And you provide a seed for the sower and bread to the eater. You started us with seed, Lord. All we got to do is plant it, get it in the ground and watch over it and, and watch our gardens and uh, keep the weeds out. And you will bring increase to our garden. You will bring increase in our fields. And Lord, we may not even need a certain or particular harvest right now. But we need to plant for it in advance because it takes four months to the harvest according to your word, Lord. I don't know what that means in spiritual terms, but I do know this. It don't come overnight. So we need to get the ground in, get the seed in the ground. We need to water it. We need to fertilize it. We need to watch over it and keep the weeds out and then trust you for the increase. And we know it will come and it will come right on time. Not too early, not too late. But that harvest will be there when we need it. I don't care what it is, a harvest of money, a harvest of food, a harvest of love, a harvest of compassion. I don't care what it is. When it comes to the place where we need it, it will be there for us to pluck up and use and eat. And then we'll take a portion of that and we'll replant. And we'll continue this harvest. And it will be a perpetual harvest. And Lord, it will come from heaven because you are the one that brings the increase. We love you so much, God. You did not leave us comfortless. You sent us the Holy Ghost. And we will abide by that stream of the flow of God. And we will draw nourishment from the water of the Holy Ghost. And it will cause us to flourish like the great palm trees in the courts of our God. Hallelujah. We thank you and praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. A word come to me this morning. And I don't know who it's for. It could be for everybody in here. But God says, hold on just a little bit longer. He says, you're on the very threshold of breakthrough. You're on the very threshold of your miracle. Don't quit now. Don't give up now. I know it looks bleak. I know it, doesn't look, it looks like it's never going to come. But he says, hold on just a little bit longer. He's about to break forth and break out. Amen. Right. Now, that was for you. Receive it. 
get it in, start watering it, and believe it. Because that was a word from God. Amen? Amen. Amen. I love y'all. God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday night. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. For more information about FFC or its ministries, please contact the church office. God bless you, and remember, Jesus is Lord.